0: Um, This is the penultimate, um, that is the second to to last, uh, sermon in the series that we've called Bodybuilding and we've called it that because in the New Testament the church of Jesus Christ is likened to a body not just a body of people like a body of soldiers but a human body And um, the human body, as we know, has different parts, diverse functions, all working together. And that's just how the Church of Jesus Christ is intended to be. Different parts working together for the benefit of the whole. And um, we've seen that each part of this body where Jesus is the head, and that we are part of that, each one. And we've been reminded that uh, even if we think we're insignificant, Um, We are indispensable. Every part is important in the body of Christ. But we're not left to our own devices because the Holy Spirit distributes gifts to each one as he pleases so that we're equipped to contribute to the building up of the body so that together we become more like Jesus. I trust that you know that it's the Holy Spirit's role in your life personally that you should become more like Jesus. As we yield to him, um, as we seek to follow God's ways, then we trust that in our character we are more and more like Jesus. But the New Testament talks about us corporately being like Jesus, that as we work together, we display more of the the person and personality of Jesus than we could on our own. And Paul puts it like this, and you will have been reminded last week, that the essential ingredient that we contribute to this, it's largely God's work, but the essential ingredient we can contribute is love. All right? And that would be on that great chapter that you would have heard about last week. But Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I think that's a wonderful picture of the church and we need to keep that in our minds, that it's love that, that enables us to serve and, uh, and encourage one another. So we are a company or a body of gifted people and the gifts that the holy spirit gives cover many aspects of our life together from serving to leadership generosity and teaching to wisdom and supernatural knowledge other supernatural gifts to healing and so on Um, but there are some gifts that are particularly useful when we gather together as a company of people as we are this morning not just for worship though it would could be for business or other matters that there are gifts that are useful when we do this and um, so that's why we encourage open worship here on a Sunday morning um, where different members uh, can contribute so that we hear from God not just from the people at the front but from the whole body we are eager to hear from God from individual members uh, of the body The apostles who wrote the New Testament not only describe the gifts but also tell us how we are to use them and how we are to use them properly. And um, it's a sad fact that it is possible to use a gift of God selfishly and destructively and uh, so devastating the church rather than building it up. That's why there's so much emphasis on doing everything in love. Uh, This morning we're going to look at two of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the context of their use when the church meets together, when we come together. And those gifts are prophecy and speaking in tongues. And we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 25. And you might like to turn to that in your Bibles as I continue. And I believe that these are gifts that any Christian filled with the Holy Spirit may contribute in other words they're not just for church leaders or people with a recognized ministry the emphasis is on anyone may um, exercise these gifts in the meeting and when Paul gives teaching about the nature and the functions of the church he does this in the context of letters that he writes to local churches or groups churches that's what we have in the New Testament most of Paul's writing uh, is in that vein its letters to these people and in these letters there's often a mixture of greetings doctrine instruction and correction and sometimes he is answering questions that the church have put to him on a previous occasion and his letter that we call 1 Corinthians is a good example of this mixture We see all these things working together. And so if we're looking for doctrine, sometimes we have to sort of pair around in all the bits and pieces to find out the the doctrine, because it's in the context of a a particular letter uh, to a church. Now, the overall impression that we get when reading um, this letter to the Corinthians is um, that the people in the church in Corinth, although rich in knowledge, and spiritual gifts he says right at the beginning you don't lack any spiritual gifts you're very gifted uh, as a people they were immature and paul had to reprimand them for their inappropriate and destructive behavior at times this illustrates an important point that god graciously gives gifts to the immature as well as the, Im- the mature and what this tells us is that God is gracious so it's like a gift that we may give to people in our families or friends Um, some of the people are immature some are mature some will make good use of the gift others will not and it's the same with God in the early verses of chapter 14 Paul contrasts the relative value to the church of these two gifts prophecy and speaking in tongues his overall concern Is intelligibility in other words do the people understand what is being said or what is being contributed and uh, that's most important otherwise what we get from him is the speaker um, is wasting his time and wasting his breath or her breath as the case may be and of course just as we you will have seen last week contributing any of these gifts without love is counterproductive So why is he contrasting these two gifts? That's what we find. Well, my guess would be because both of these are spoken gifts. Other gifts are not spoken, although they're serving and so on. But these are spoken gifts, but they differ when it comes to intelligibility. Prophecy is immediately understood. It's in the language of the people that are listening. But speaking in tongues is not. And reading between the lines, this church had gone overboard in speaking in tongues they'd become perhaps super spiritual and made far too much of what they saw was a very spiritual activity so in his desire for intelligibility uh, he is concerned about the indiscriminate use of tongues but we'll see that he in no way denigrates the use of tongues but teaches what it is and how it should be used particularly in a meeting so let's read the passage that's 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God for no one understands him he utters mysteries in the spirit on the other hand the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you, speaking in tongues how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching even if lifeless instruments such as a flute or a harp do not give distinct notes how will anyone know what is played or if the bugle gives an indistinct sound who will get ready for battle so with yourselves if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different tongue, languages and, uh, in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in the tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in the tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit... Brothers, I do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues, And with the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign for believers, but for, Not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he will be convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Father, help us, Lord, to hear and to learn what you have to say to us from this passage. We ask you for your help, Lord, in Jesus' name. So let's try and understand what these gifts are about. Okay? So we'll start with prophecy. I think there are different levels of prophecy in the Scriptures with different levels of authority. In the Old Testament, there are a lot of people, as you'll probably know, who were called Prophets who spoke from God to various groups of people, to nations, to kings, to individuals. Some of them performed miracles and their writings became incorporated in the Bible. you only got to turn to the Old Testament and you find all those names. Major and minor prophets they're often called. And Peter in the New Testament says this about them. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So their calling and anointing and authority were such that their words became scripture in what we know as the Old Testament. Now this is not the gift that Paul speaks about here because he's not talking about recognized prophets in this context but about any member who may prophesy and it is a completely different order of prophecy from that that became scripture right so we move to the New Testament and in the New Testament we have people who are recognized as prophets and um, you may re- remember that Paul talking to the Ephesian church talks about the risen Christ and he said when Christ arose on high he gave gifts to men which were ministries he said some sh- should be a- apostles, some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers uh, for the equipping of the Saints so prophets are mentioned there and we recognise um, that this prophetic gifting is available to the church. Often these people are travelling between local churches and bringing their ministry to local churches and we've experienced that recently, haven't we, with Ben Goodman and uh, Pete Pemberthy while we were away that these men uh, brought prophetic words to us and which was very helpful to us. But these prophets do not carry the same authority uh, as those prophets who wrote Scripture um, because they are subject to Scripture. The prophets that we have today uh, are under the authority of God's Word, and indeed they're under the authority of the local church if they come and speak uh, in a local church. So they don't carry that same um, authority. However, the church recognizes them that they have a proven ministry and we can benefit from them. But here again, this is not what Paul is referring to in 1 Corinthians 14, although it doesn't exclude this kind of ministry. For he tells us in verse 31, For you can all prophesy one by one. So this morning we're confining ourselves to the prophetic gift as Paul describes it in this chapter. So what is it? Well, we see it's a gift For building up the church that's its main function and and he he tells us that he says the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation and a bit further he says the one who prophesies builds up the church so that is the major function it is not primarily about predicting the future nor is it proclaiming an infallible word from God. Um, some of you are older Christians, might have come across some uh, traditions or congregations, particularly in the Pentecostal uh, tradition, where people who wanted to prophesy in the meeting, where well, that was an acceptable thing, would preface what they were saying by, thus saith the Lord. Um, I think they probably did it out of habit, but in a sense... That perhaps they're trying to give their word more authority than it actually um, warrants. So here's a simple definition. It will come up on the screen. Please, the first one. Right. Okay. So here's very simple. Telling something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. This kind of prophecy occurs when a revelation from God is reported in the prophet's own words and uh, this, will, uh, this will stay there for a moment um, that revelation may be in the form of a picture and I think we're quite familiar with people saying I have this picture I can see these hills and another range of hills and so on and th- they give us this picture and we're able perhaps to, to get some uh, impression from that some information about a situation that we wouldn't have known about or that the, even the speaker would have known about previously It could be knowledge of a medical condition, for instance. Um, You've probably been in a meeting where somebody at the front says, I I believe there's somebody here who has um, severe pain in their elbow. I believe God wants to heal you today. So that, in a sense, is a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy that can be used to encourage people to come forward for healing. Very often it can be a reinforcement of the gospel, focusing on a particular aspect of it identifying special needs in the congregation or maybe words which bring conviction in unbelievers as is indicated as we read just now from verses 24 and 25 interestingly when um, Ben Goodman came to us that Monday evening a few weeks ago we had some people there that are not normally part of us, they were very welcome and there was a young man that we hadn't a clue who he was um, and he left a little bit early, but um, Steve spoke to him but Ben had a word for him, okay and he said, I think I get it right how is it that this guy seems to know all about me? he doesn't know me and we said, well we don't know you we haven't even told him about you so it can bring that kind of conviction now whether that brought conviction in his heart that he needed to be saved, I'm not sure but anyway we need to remember of course that as we're told in chapter 13 um, that we know in part and we prophesy in part prophesying in the meeting is not a precise science it's a, a, a cooperation between us and the Holy Spirit, and sometimes there's something of us in what is said in the meeting, and it's up for the up to the church to weigh that uh, and to determine and and hold on to the things that are good that are given in that context. So, in view of the overall intention of encouragement and upbuilding, it's not a place um, to give vent to our frustrations all right i 've heard prophecies so called prophecies in the meeting where people are having a go at the congregation because they 're a bit frustrated about what 's not been happening or what what has been happening okay so it 's not for rebuking the people it 's for upbuilding it 's for strengthening that 's what we need to remember and it 's not really about having directional words for people, not to say that you may not have a word that is directional for somebody that and if you think that um, it could have an effect on their future then you need to share that with leaders so that together you can determine how when and where that is appropriate but it's not appropriate really in the in the, in the meeting to give directional words to people it can be if it's wrong it can be absolutely devastating and it just needs that little bit uh, of caution um, I, As we see in verse 1, Paul encourages this gift in the church because it's immediately understood. It's in the language that people understand and it builds up the church. Um, Now we'll look at speaking in tongues. The term speaking in tongues is rather unfortunate because it's not a term we use in normal speech, is it? You wouldn't use that term in your everyday shopping or or whatever would you it's not a term that we use in a, um, and it can be assumed as being a bit weird because of that but it just means languages speaking in languages and as an example in times past you might have referred to someone's native language as their mother tongue aren't we we weren't talking about this were we we were talking about their language so it was and I guess because most Bibles you still use the term speaking in tongues we will continue to do that this morning we find that this practice is only found in the New Testament there's no sign of it in the Old Testament and it's for um, and it's unique um, to the New Covenant age and um, it's for the church age and we first come upon it in Acts chapter 2 remember this is the chapter where the Holy Spirit comes upon the church 120 believers um, waiting for the promise of the Father and the Holy Spirit comes on them with tongues of fire and they begin to speak in other tongues other languages as the Spirit enables them they spill out onto the street and people who had gathered for the festival of Pentecost from all over the empire from different nations heard them speaking the mighty works of God in their own language as the Spirit enabled them. Now the disciples were not prophesying uh, or preaching, that came later, but praising and worshipping in God in languages that they had not learned and would not have understood because they are Galileans some commentators have considered that this was a sign that the gospel was going to go to the whole world it's a useful thought but on the back of this strange happening Peter preaches to the crowd and thousands are saved and added to the church on that day now this was these were known languages the hearers some of the hearers could hear um, what was being said that still happens today um, but it's fairly unique, it's fair, well not unique, it's fairly um, rare that, that the languages are known in most cases when people are speaking in tongues the language is not known so um, what is speaking in tongues? another definition will come up on the screen speaking in tongues is prayer or praise spoken in syllables not understood by the speaker We say prayer and praise because Paul tells us in verse 2, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. So if we're speaking to God, it's prayer or praise, isn't it? That's what we would normally understand. We also see that it's not understood by the speaker, for he goes on, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. And we could say that it's the human spirit empowered... By the Holy Spirit because in verse uh, because later in verses 14 and 15 he says for if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful so it's our spirit empowered by the Holy Spirit that prays what am I to do I will pray with my spirit but I will pray with my mind also I will sing praise with my spirit I, I will sing with my mind also So what's going on here? How do we understand this? How do we understand this strange thing of speaking from our spirits? Well firstly, um, when we speak in tongues we use the same apparatus that we do for normal speech. Our voice box, our breath, our tongue, our lips or it's just the same as we do for normal speech. And we speak and it's entirely under our control somebody once said God does not speak in tongues we speak in tongues unfortunately some have thought that you have to go into a trance to speak in tongues one of our neighbours when he heard that I was Christian and went to a local church he said is it one of those churches where you all go into a trance and speak these funny languages so I had to try and explain to him no, uh, we don't go into a trance now it's unfortunate that the New English Bible which I guess is not used very much these days had an unfortunate translation of speaking in languages it called it esthetic speech it is not esthetic speech it is normal speech except there are syllables that are not understood Uh, so this is not um, uh, sorry, secondly uh, uh, when we speak normally, it's a product of our thinking. Um, our mind is in control. Um, I think it's an amazing process how quickly our mind gives signals to our speaking apparatus, especially when people speak very quickly. You know. um, it's just an amazing split-second activity. It's really amazing. And this is the process that goes on when we pray normally. Paul says I will pray with my mind but he also says I will pray with my spirit and this is something that bypasses our mind for he says my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful we are not thinking about the syllables we might be thinking of something but we're not thinking about the syllables that we are speaking Um, this is not natural for us and it, it can seem scary but just remember we are the ones who speak and we are completely in control. We are just using a gift that is given to us. Thirdly, what is it for? You know, what, what's it all for then, all this speaking in tongues? Maybe unexpectedly, we find that unlike the other gifts, which are for others, right? all, all those gifts, we in love, we exercise these gifts for the benefit of others, speaking in tongues is for us. It's for our benefit Paul says this, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up or edifies himself and although Paul in this chapter is mainly talking about the use of spiritual gifts in a meeting, in a gathering of the church we see from what he's saying that speaking in tongues is primarily for our private devotions it's for our personal strengthening it's for building ourselves up Our life in the Spirit with our Creator God. And Paul tells us it's highly desirable. Uh, It's something he practiced extensively. And he says in verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And not wanting to keep this precious gift to himself, he says in verse 5, now I want you all to speak in tongues. It's great. You need to do it. This suggests... To me, anyway, that all those who are filled with the Holy Spirit have the potential to speak in tongues. But hear me, uh, but it it is not an essential mark of being filled with the Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. All right. But I believe that those who are filled with the Spirit have the potential uh, to speak in tongues. You might say, I still don't see the point. I managed quite well without it. And I've actually heard that kind of comment. Well, my point will be this, that if God has provided a means whereby we can, in addition to what we normally do, express an intimacy um, with him, when our words just run out, we run out of words, but our hearts are still full. We're still wanting to worship God. And God has given us this gift so that when words run out, then we can continue and speak in tongues. And I would say, if this is the case, why don't we want to earnestly desire it? Why would we not earnestly uh, desire it? So, how does it happen? Um, In many cases, it happens spontaneously when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, It happened when Peter went to the household of Cornelius. Do you remember that story in in the Gospels? Peter had a vision from God about the fact that the gospel was not just for the Jews, but it was for the Gentiles also, and that he was directed to the house of Cornelius, a centurion, who was a believer, and his whole household. And Peter went and preached Christ to this company of people. And while he is preaching, the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they all speak in tongues, worshipping God. And also, when Paul later goes to Ephesus find some believers who have not been baptised they are baptised he lays hands on them and they immediately uh, speak in tongues um, there have been revivals um, particularly in the last century where as the Holy Spirit is poured out it's accompanied by speaking in tongues and um, that will be particularly true of China and it's still happening today so it can happen spontaneously for some, however, as it was with me, it requires faith to begin to speak and trusting that it's all right um, to speak words that I've not learned. Just as a personal testimony, many years ago now, um, when what was known as the charismatic movement was just beginning, uh, a number of folks were going to special meetings and I went to a meeting in London and um, there was just a, an amazing atmosphere of presence of God and we were worshipping and I just just. I felt my heart open to God and I felt this love washing over me and tears were streaming down my face. And I believe that was the time when I was baptised in the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. But I didn't speak in tongues. But I felt that this was something that was for me and I would look for an opportunity. Well, it so happened soon after that I was on a, a business trip to Scotland on this long train journey. And in those days we had separate compartments and I had one all to myself and I thought this is it, this is my God moment okay? so I was reading the scriptures, worshipping and I just began to speak out and I found that I was able to speak in tongues and it was very little at first but I was beginning to develop it and I had my eyes closed and when I opened my eyes there was the ticket collector waiting... <laughs> waiting to punch my ticket he didn't say it but I bet he thought, "Blooming foreigners you know? Um, so um, yeah, it, it, it can ha- it can happen like that um, and um, th- there 's an incident really in in the life of the disciples that 's not about speaking in tongues, but it helps us understand the fact that we may have to do something. Remember that the disciples were on the lake on one occasion there was a storm, and Jesus came walking to them on the lake and um, Peter being brash and daring said Lord will you call me to come to you so Jesus said come and Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water now Jesus didn't in fact come and get hold of Peter's legs and place them on the water and help him to walk Peter had to trust that what the Lord was inviting him to do he could do and the same has to be often when uh, we're just stepping out in speaking in tongues. We have to trust that as we begin to speak, the Holy Spirit will help us and enable us to speak. For most people, what they begin to speak is minimal and it's very easy to dismiss it as uh, as being um, insignificant. But like any gift, we need to practice it. We need... Uh, if if somebody has a gift of preaching the the more we practice the better we are with it and the same would be with speaking in tongues so if you're seeking this gift it can happen when you're alone with God but many have found it helpful to have someone pray with them and and just help them take the first steps Um, if that's you we'd be very happy to pray with you after the meeting Um, that would be either the ministry team or Steve or I there would be others who would be happy to pray with you and just encourage you if you desire this gift Uh, and I believe that that Paul is saying it is desirable it's a desirable gift for us so what about speaking in tongues in a meeting because after all that's what this passage is about if we accept that tongues are primarily for our personal devotions then I feel that From what Paul says here, he wouldn't be bothered if nobody spoke in tongues uh, in the meeting. He's much more enthusiastic about prophecy. However, he doesn't forbid it, but because of the issue of intelligibility, it's of no benefit to anyone unless there is an interpretation, either by the speaker themselves or, or someone else. If there is an interpretation, then it will be like a prayer and others can say amen to that prayer or that thanksgiving and all can be built up just as an aside really some have considered that speaking in tongues just of itself has special spiritual power when dealing with difficult situations or um, facing the powers of darkness I don't actually find that in the New Testament at all um, but what I would say is prayer and praise have great power and in as much as speaking in tongues um, is prayer and praise then it has power but of itself I don't believe it it's, has exceptional power just then as we come to a close the interpretation of tongues and uh, another uh, slide will come up uh, this is also a gift of the Holy Spirit and it's an example as how the body has to work together because if someone speaks in tongues someone needs to interpret the two uh, need to work together here's our last, last definition the interpretation of tongues giving the overall sense or meaning of what is spoken in tongues so this is not a translation All right. It's not like translating French into English. Uh, It's not a translation because the interpreter does not understand the tongue. They don't understand what is being said, but they feel the sense of what is being said. They have perhaps the same feelings from God as the person who spoke uh, in tongues and that enables them to give an interpretation. Paul says that the person who speaks in a tongue has an obligation to pray for the interpretation, especially if no one gives it. He says in verse thirteen, "Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church." Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. So, interpret it's an interpretation, not a translation, but the person who's spoken in the tongue, if the interpretation is good, then um, they will recognize that as being the sense of what they were conveying in their prayer and worship to God. Having said this, if someone speaks in a tongue in a meeting and there's no interpretation, the world has not come to an end. Okay? Uh, no great sin has been committed. It's just that um, the people aren't built up by it. All right? but it's, there's no great sin uh, has been committed so then to close God has spoken to us in times past as the writer to the Hebrews tells us in various ways um, by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe this is the supreme revelation that we have from God Jesus Christ is the supreme revelation that we have and his life and his words are enshrined for us in the New Testament which is always a plumb line for us that we test any other prophecies or any other contributions that we have if they are contrary to Scripture then they are put to one side but nevertheless God in his body the church has given gifts and in these gifts God will speak to us as a congregation in various ways and we should rejoice in the fact that as God has spoken in the past, he continues to speak to us in, the come, in these days and that we, we should rejoice in that and we should encourage one another in these gifts. So let's welcome the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially as Paul says, that you may prophesy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, you're gracious to us. Lord, we don't deserve your graciousness. That's because it is graciousness. Lord, we don't deserve the good things that you give us, but you give them to us anyway. And Lord, we pray that we, as we learn these things, as we consider them, as we pray them through, that we will become mature in these gifts. We don't want to be like the Corinthian church that was immature and destructive in its use of gifts, but... Lord, we want to be mature so that your body is built up and so that more and more, as people look at us as a company of people, they will see more and more of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.